Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Lifetimes with Carissa Santos, the podcast. Today's episode is all about meditation, its benefits, and how you can apply it in your daily life. My guest is Palavi Joyce. She is a holistic meditation, mindfulness, and lifestyle teacher and guide who has touched hundreds of lives over the past 15 years. She is also the founder of Danya Wellness, and her mission is to incorporate the concept of resilience into her teaching and give attendees tools to help and heal themselves as they navigate life outside of her class. Hi, Falavi. Thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Hi, Carissa. Thank you for having me here. I'm well. That's good. Palavi, can you share a little bit of your background and how it all started? I was born and brought up in India. I was there until my son was born. So for a good um, 30 years of my life, literally, and have a bachelor's in computer science. But however, when it comes to meditation, um, we spent most of our vacations in retreats as young children, really, you know, at the age of seven years, I think was when we started. And it became a way of life as we continued to grow. Besides that, I've also gone on to study uh, energy healing, learning yoga and Buddhist practices, and eventually now into the study of scriptures. So yes, one thing has led to another. That's fascinating. There's so many areas that you explored. What led you to your practice now? So it has always been a way of living, really. And there Mm -hmm. were periods in my life when just practicing was not enough. I had many questions basically just on what I was doing. I just wanted to understand the whys, the hows of meditation, questions about life. You know, the books that I was going into really wasn't giving me the answers I was happy with. So, you know, my quest just led me to teachings of uh, Swami Rama, uh, who has his center in Pennsylvania. It's Mm -hmm. called the Malian Institute. And I also ended up going to a place called Ashavidya Gurukul that's also in Pennsylvania. So that gave me both the scriptural studies and the practices that I was looking for. So yeah, there's been no looking back since then. (laughs) It's led you to this amazing practice that you can share with a lot of people in the area. What motivated you to take on students? Well, if there's one thing I have realized, it's just that, you know, living in this particular way, incorporating these teachings into our lives, Mm -hmm. it just makes our life as uncomplicated as we want it to be. There is this misconception about meditation that it's hard, it's not easy to sit like that, or sometimes even that it's it's for old people, it's for people who are retiring. Mm -hmm. Or even that it's old-fashioned and uncool. But I really just want to bring an awareness of the power of meditation and that age is not a factor in this, you know, to be able to live our life fully. uh, Incorporating the teachings and the practices is very, very important. And the earlier we do it, the better, just so all our habits are not so strong with to break them down. That's what I did. I uh, went ahead, took years of training under teachers like Tara Brack, Jack Confield, to specifically work with stress, anxiety, 
lack of sleep, trauma, grief, such things. I love that though. I love how you're saying age not a factor because why should we wait till we're 65 before we live our lives fully? Exactly. And then it becomes even more harder to let go of those habits which have become so strong in our mind. Exactly. The earlier we change the habit, the better the results. What is the difference between meditation, mindfulness, and relaxation? So in the beginning, as we get onto this path, mindfulness is a collection of skills. You know, we begin by paying attention in a particular way. And as we do this, we develop concentration. And then as we develop concentration, we begin to develop a sense of non-attachment to the events that are taking place around us, to those thoughts, emotions, the stories that we're not really liking at all. So that's what mindfulness teaches us. And we learn also how not to identify with all these things. You know, we learn, Mm -hmm. it also teaches us how we're so self-critical, self-judging, and how we apply to ourselves so much and make life even more challenging for our own selves. So that is mindfulness. Okay. Very few words. Relaxation techniques help us just calm the mind, calm the body. The more we practice it, it helps us become more and more calm. Mm -hmm. Um, Meditation, mindfulness is not meditation. Okay. So mindfulness is a part of meditation. So practicing mindfulness and concentration Mm -hmm. that leads to meditation. Oh, so it's a component. It's a component of it. Because we all know, you know, that whenever we become over-involved with the flow of our experiences, our inner balance is disturbed. Right. Right. On the Mm -hmm. other hand, if our inner life is balanced, then the attachment we have towards other things, they become weaker and our mind becomes calmer. And that's our natural self, really. So meditation actually teaches us to accomplish this, you know, to be able to just watch things that occur without getting attached to it. Which is very hard nowadays. <laughs> Practice. It's it like is. developing any other habit. So, yes. Why do you think meditation is becoming more popular now? Or it's gaining more attention rather before where it's just certain people who practice it? Um, so I would say that research over the years has shown that mindfulness and meditation are really the best tools, you know, to counter many challenges. And the studies have shown the benefits both for the body, the brain, and also to the various relationships we have. And one of the ways that instantly comes to mind is, you know, we all have this negativity bias in us, a tendency where we pay more attention to negative experiences in our lives. Mm -hmm. And we do this as a way to protect ourselves from anything similar that might come up in the future. But then there also comes a time when this negativity bias kind of begins to drive our life, constantly telling us to watch out for everything. Right. This leads to stress and over a period of time, chronic stress, anxiety, Mm -hmm. sleeplessness, and all those things. So that's one of the things that meditation helps with, really, to overcome this negativity bias. And then it also helps develop our attention, our focus, 
brings out compassion in us towards ourselves and the others and all this has been shown through research so it's more acceptable to a large sector of people because it's evidence based as well yes so that's why uh, it's become more acceptable and popular you mentioned negativity bias earlier how does meditation help with that So to give you an example of negativity bias, right? Let's say as a little child you go and touch the flame in a candle. Your finger gets burned and then for the rest of your life you're never going to touch the flame again. And on much the same lines there is a friend who has let you down. So now you're going to watch out in all other relationships because you don't want to be hurt again or let down again. Mhm. So what this negativity bias does is it puts you on guard so much when it begins to drive your life that you don't trust anybody. You, there's always the doubt, the judgment that comes in, and that's how it interferes with your life, with your relationships. But if you're going to bring in meditation, you would just work towards developing relationships and not really be attached to the various thoughts the stories that build up in the head in short you'll be able to recognize the stories that come up in your mind and you'll be able to discriminate against it and say well it hasn't happened mm. let me not go there yet okay take this one day at a time let me not judge the other person and just put them in this little box mm-hmm. and base my life off that So that's what meditation teaches you to do. That's a really good example. And it's real life too because a lot of people are definitely suffering from negativity bias including myself. It happens to so, all of us. Exactly. That's why I wanted to talk more about it in detail. Pallavi, can you share with us some of the different types of meditation techniques that are out there and what makes them different? The most common one is just on the breath, you know, the- meditation on the breath itself mm-hmm. so uh, basically that is where where that is where you bring your attention to the flow of breath and make your breathing very very refined and smooth that's one of the things you do the okay. second that you do with the breath itself is learning to make the exhalation longer than the inhalation and as we do that and it becomes a normal way of breathing what we are actually doing is working with our parasympathetic nervous system so we are strengthening the parasympathetic nervous system that has to do with calming the mind resting the ba- rest resting the mind relaxing the body mm-hmm. so that's what uh, meditation on breath is and it also is a way to bring your attention back every time the attention wanders off you know you're making your breath an anchor for the mind to come back to the second one would be the mantra meditation where we actually give a sound to mm-hmm. the mind to focus on and mantra actually is um you could have something like as simple as soham you can have om and soham actually coincides with the breath they say that it's the sound your breathing makes every time you breathe in and out so we use that and that way there is less wandering off of the attention do you think that's a technique that would be useful for people who have a harder time stay in place it would be 
Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have the loving kindness and compassion meditation to bring out our own buried love, care, warmth, all of that, you know, bring it out to the forefront, make ourselves acceptable the way we are without judgment, and then extend it to all of humanity. So yeah, those are some of the ways to meditate. When is it a good time to meditate and how much time should you allocate for it? Personally, for me, um, early mornings, because that is the time when the mind is quiet, there are not as many distractions, we don't have lists and lists of things to accomplish at that time. So it's mm -hmm. easier to just remain focused and sit with it. But uh, the other good times would also be after late afternoon, um, before bedtime. But then again, it's entirely up to the individual, you know, whatever time works best for them, right. as long as they can choose the same time every day. So that's really important, choosing the same time and the same place to sit in every day. We're making a habit mm -hmm. and we're also strengthening the energy in that place. Oh, so it has to be the same time and place. Right, because it's a habit that you want to develop. The chances are if you're not doing it at the same time or the same place, Mm -hmm. you're going to let go of that practice more quickly. Mm, I'll do it later. Later doesn't happen. So, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> And maybe, yes, start with 10 minutes and then slowly increase the time. Also make sure that there are no distractions. You don't have music playing or you're not, not in a place where there's a lot of loud noise because all these just take your mind outside of you mm -hmm. and with meditation it's all about bringing your attention to the inside of your body do you think that giving your mind a breakthrough meditation is kind of a luxury these days well um meditation is really available to all of humanity and it's available very very readily you know it's like having air to breathe mm -hmm. and all one has to do is sit there's nothing to collect. There's uh, really nothing that we need to set up in the room or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, you know, it's about meditation is all about going inwards, right? Within one's own mind, within oneself, and just being there. That's it. That's it. Media portrays it or how all these advertising companies portray it as kind of a luxury that you have a mat and you're in a nice place and that's where you meditate. But like what you said, it's just going inward. Right. So anything outwards, however beautiful that advertisement looks, really, you know, a kind of a distraction. And the mind has a tendency to wander off towards the distraction. So again, where you are does not matter. Anything else is just a temptation for the mind to wander off to. So, yeah, in meditation, we're not giving the mind a break. You know, if one is listening to a guided relaxation for a few minutes and claiming to do meditation, then it's a different thing altogether. And mm. you can claim luxury, so you can be <laughs> anywhere then to do it. It is an uncluttered, clean room where there is not anything really that can distract you that's all you need very minimal 
(laughs) So during the practice itself, what do you do if you can't stop thinking while meditating? Well, there are some external factors which could contribute to it, right? And you could just, it could be your schedule. Maybe you have a meeting coming up and plan to do your meditation around that time. So you just have to make those little adjustments. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it could be a book that you're reading and you have to put it away to sit for meditation and all you have is thoughts of the book that you're reading. Or it could be a movie that you've just watched and it's just thoughts of the movie that's coming into your mind. So (laughs) uh, we just have to do a bit of rearranging over there. If you can finish your meditation before you go to the book or if you can finish your meditation before you go watch that movie. Uh, The other kind of distraction would be your own emotional state that could disturb your meditation. So at such times, just do a relaxation practice if you think that will help. You just need to calm the body, calm the mind. Yes. And if that doesn't help, then maybe investigate the emotional state if you are capable of doing it on your own. So I think it's really best to meditate in the morning because there's less distractions, right? Really, you know, your mind has a habit of roaming all the time. Mm -hmm. And you just have to realize that there is no need for you to follow it. Don't get caught up in it. So if you don't follow the mind and you just say, you know what, let those thoughts come and go, then you are now leading that mind. Mm. The thoughts in your mind are no longer leading you or driving you to be in a particular way. So that's how we train our mind. You make a certain route for the mind to travel in. And that's how we learn to train our mind. That's what is called control over the mind. You give it a focus of attention. You don't let the mind control you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's very powerful. So how do you know if you're doing it right? What comes to my mind is an example. And hopefully that will be able to (laughs) ask questions. So let's say you have a painting. Mm -hmm. There are only two things you can do with that painting. Either you look away from the painting or you look at the painting. So if you're looking at the painting, you're going to notice what the drawing is about, the different colors that have been used. So it's also very, very important at the same time to remember that all this is on a canvas. And the purpose in each of our lives is to see the canvas that's under the patterns and colors. It's to find our true nature under all that we have made our life out. Okay, so patiently we look at the external world, which are the paintings, the patterns, uh, the colors that has influenced us. And deal with everything that comes up without getting lost in them. And slowly, it's a, it's a journey and it's a slow journey. So as long as you're practicing to get to that canvas, to your true nature, mm-hmm. you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. So we have teachers who tell us that when you don't feel anything, you know yeah. you're doing it right. Oh, okay. Why is that? 
That's because uh, everything else is again a distraction. Some there are times when you notice colors or maybe light as you're meditating, and the next time, and you get caught up in that. You know the colors,、mm-hmm. the light that you see, and the next time you meditate, you don't notice all of that. Then you're disappointed. Maybe I didn't do something right because I didn't see those colors. Mm-hmm. And the goal becomes seeing the colors, seeing the light, instead of actually going inward and again getting more and more familiar with our own thought path. Wow, that's very enlightening. <laughs> yeah, that's the I way think, it is. yeah. <laughs> What are some of those thoughts and feelings that make it harder to meditate? What sort of techniques are helpful for cutting through distractions? Well, thoughts can be anything, right? It can be anything from、mm-hmm. just the sound of a car's. You know that sets off a series of other thoughts about where you could go, what time you need to get there, what can you do there, where else? <laughs> like a domino. Yes, <laughs> before you know it, you've done a whole load of shopping. So, <laughs> but thoughts can also be very deep. You know, it can be based on the hurt, the anger, the insecurity, the fears, all of those. But they don't have to make our meditation difficult. You know, you truly need a good teacher to guide you through the stages.、Mm-hmm. Who will be there as that rock-solid support for you and teaching you every step of the way. And most of the times, just classifying your thoughts as useful, not useful, or neutral helps. What happens when you begin to label your thoughts is the new the moment you. Call it neutral; it disappears. It no longer lingers in your mind. In much the same way, when you label it as not useful, it goes away without lingering. Right. In, in case the not useful thoughts continue to persist, the same thought keeps coming back. Then you again need to investigate. There's obviously something beneath that that needs to be looked at. And if it's a useful thought, then you would again. Tell yourself, you know, I'm going to attend to this later,、mm-hmm. and then continue with your meditation. So most times that should help. Yeah, kind of like what you mentioned earlier about rearranging. So a lot of people start to fall asleep when they're in the middle of their meditation practice, and fighting it drives them crazy. What should they do? That's quite common because <laughs> meditation really relaxes the body. And the mind, so it's very common for people to fall asleep, and it's okay. It's okay as long as that's not what happens all the time. You decide to sit for meditation. You're not getting anything out of the practice, right? You're right. Just taking a nap. So you know,、uh, when you find this happening, then bring in mindfulness to it and say, okay, let me explore this drowsiness that I'm feeling. You know what? Makes my mind work like this. This is how it feels in the body. These are the feelings that are associated. And when you begin to start this little inquiry process, your sleep goes away.、Mm, okay. Sometimes it could also be because your body is just exhausted after doing a lot of work. Right. And you just need to go sleep, not try meditation at that time. It could also be that you've had a large meal when we eating, because there's a whole process that's going on inside the body, and it interferes with trying to pay attention. Just take care of the physical 
body needs, you know, whatever you need, the body needs first, and then sit for meditation. So that way you're not giving in to feeling sleepy or just, um, you know, sitting there because it's your time to sit for meditation. <laughs> yes. And also some people say that it's because when they're listening to guided meditation, they feel so relaxed and the voice is so soothing. It's kind of like a lullaby to the ear. <laughs> right. But that again comes back to the body. What is it that is happening in the body that's making you fall asleep all the time? You're tired of something has caused that tiredness. Mm -hmm. So that is what needs to be addressed. Sometimes just take a few deep breaths, deep, deliberate breaths, and that will be enough to shift attention, you know, shift that sleepiness to focusing. Wow. Those are some really practical tips. Don't do meditation when you haven't attended to your physical needs yet, because it'll just affect the whole practice. Right. What should people do when they're in a lot of pain during their meditation practice or their feet get tingly? Is it okay to move while you're in the middle or do you have to stay completely still? It's perfectly all right to just move and make sure that you're in a more comfortable position. Mm -hmm. um, however, they have to look at where that pain is coming from. Um, is it a chronic pain? Is it because of something they had done earlier? Which means, is there some medicine you need to take or just rub on something to it? And you said um, tingling the feet, right? Mm -hmm. um, that could be if they're not used to sitting cross-legged. Maybe even wearing loose clothing helps during such times. A numbness, tingly feeling, just move it a bit and then you would be fine. Mm -hmm. But in case it doesn't, then just again, bring your attention to that part of the body and breathing in, you're nourishing it, you're making sure there's enough circ blood circulating in that area. And as you breathe out, you're just letting go of that unwanted sensation. So when you breathe in and breathe out a few times to that region, then the tingling or numbness or pain should go away. Okay. So is sitting with your legs crossed the, I wouldn't say standard, but the common way to meditate? Or there's really no specific position? It used to be the common way to meditate, but if really sitting cross-legged is not comfortable at all, then I would say just sit on a chair. Mm -hmm. Because initially what is more important is making sure that your head, neck, and spine are all aligned in a straight line. Mm -hmm. and the legs don't really matter as a beginner or an intermediate um, practitioner. Okay, that's good to know because sometimes my, my legs really hurt as well. That's why I asked that question. <laughs> uh <-huh. Yes. laughs> that's it. You just need a bit more patience, a bit more practice and the pain in the knees when you pull your <laughs> legs or the ankles itself will go away with time. Uh, that's good to know. So let's talk about the effects of meditation now. Uh, well, some people ask this question. If I meditate a lot, am I going to lose my edge and turn into a passive and unproductive human being? 
So meditation makes a person develop a calm mind, okay, bringing in a strength and self-confidence with it. Right. Clarity in your thinking, there's understanding, and it just makes you wiser. It mm-hmm. makes you compassionate, and you're compassionate unconditionally, okay, without conditions. So when that happens, what do you get? There is a lot of immaturity. Right? And the sense of freedom that comes with it. So um, that heavy backpack that you've been carrying, which are filled with causes of suffering, right? whether it's right. pain or um, emotional challenges, that begins to empty out. And that's how you end up feeling free to be the way that you are. So you'll find that a lot of meditators or almost all of them are very jovial, you know, their ability to focus, pay attention, remain calm is far superior. And they also have a very, very good sense of humor. (laughs) It's not superficial. Right. It's a real sense of humor. They can laugh at their failures, their disasters. They have no walls around them that they use as protection. They're just open. Yes, they're comfortable (laughs) with who they are. So uh, basically, practicing meditation doesn't make you dull or boring Mm -hmm. or passive. makes you very, very productive and the kind of person others want to be around with. That should be everyone's goal. (laughs) Sure, yes. Right? Wouldn't we live in a much better world? (laughs) So I read this book. It's called 10% Happier by Dan Harris. And that's where I got this question from. In that book, he shared his journey and how he started practicing meditation and how he would respond to his colleagues as uh, it makes him 10% happier. And there was a phase, I think, during his meditation practice where he was passive and he didn't want to do anything. He was detached from a lot of things, including his work. And he didn't want to push himself further. He didn't want to try harder because he was all in Zen mode. And eventually he realized it's not what meditation is all about, that it's a balance of that. It's not exactly being detached from the things that you're supposed to be doing and to not use it as an excuse to slack off. (laughs) But yes, it's a really good book and I highly recommend it. Right. I think when you just blindly go into mindfulness and meditation and say, this is all it is, I'm just supposed to analyze myself and eventually be detached, then it's again looking at things with a very, very narrow vision. When we practice it in its full extent, then it also teaches us that we have a duty, basically, to do whatever we do to the best of our ability with 100% commitment. So being passive is not part of it. So if you are a student to say, oh, I'm detached from it. I don't care about the results. I'm just going to be like, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. (laughs) You're using meditation as an excuse to not Do. do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So definitely you've got to do your 100%. The detachment is definitely towards not being affected by what is going to happen later. That drive your work, but to just do what you need to do today 
that certainly clarifies it. It's not about being passive, but about being more present and just living in the moment. My next question is a good one. What if you are trying to incorporate meditation in your life, but you just don't feel like doing it on a particular day? What do you do? You must miss a meditation. Then I would say that don't change the meditation time that day. And what I mean is, let's say you, you decide to meditate at 6 a.m. every day. And for whatever reason, you're not able to sit at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Then I would say at 6 a.m., just turn your attention inward, even if it is for a minute. And just remember, you know, this is how it feels when I sit for meditation. And then at a later time, you could tomorrow, you could just go back and sit for meditation for the 20 minutes or half hour that you do. So it's really a mind game because if you don't sit at six tomorrow morning, then there are going to be other days where you'll be, it's too cold today. It's, I slept late last night. All those excuses will come up Mm -hmm. and then missing your meditation becomes a habit more than the practice itself. So just make that one moment time to sit with it. That's definitely the perfect answer to that question. <laughs> but don't fight it, like what you said. <laughs> it's an obligation to anybody or anything, you know. It's just a new way of seeing. So mm-hmm. make meditation your friend, something you want to be with every day. And then when you look at it like that, then the resistance towards it just goes away. It's not as intimidating. It's not like, oh, I have to do this kind of yeah. thing. Yeah you know, I want to do this, even if it's just for a moment. So it's just Mm -hmm. how we look at it. Not like a chore. (laughs) Do you know any specific apps that can be helpful for people who want to start meditating? I'm not a fan of apps, but I think what's out there is uh, Calm, there's Insight Timer, and there's Headspace. Mm -hmm. If all you want to do is relax, they are good, but for any other form of, you know, stress, anxiety that brings up feelings and emotions that are stronger, you really need a person to guide you. You can't just do it through an app. And the other thing also is you get so dependent on the app right? that it just takes away from the depth of the practice that you can give it on your own. So you could use it a few times and then do it on your own. If one decides to start their meditation practice with a teacher, how long does that normally take? It varies per person. Uh, Usually a maximum of one hour where the entire not meditation. Mm -hmm. It would be a back and forth with, all right, what are we going to address today? And then based on that would be a meditation. But at least it's broken up into completely investigating what is going on with the thought process. And really targeting that. Yes. Pallavi, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Do you have any last tips for those who want to get into meditation? (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. You know, uh, if you want a last tip, I would say meditation is also called as the great teacher (laughs) heals you it cleanses you inside out and you know it helps purify your mind and slowly and surely your mind ends up becoming your best friend you know try it it 
<laughs> living so just make it part of your life and just give it a shot um i learned so much and i will definitely try to incorporate the techniques that you mentioned in my next meditation session uh would you like to share your website or any page for those who are interested and would like to reach out uh, my website is dhanyawellness.net that's spelled as d h a n y a wellness.net mhm that has a lot of information both holistic corporate uh, trauma all kinds of uh, challenges that can be there and the best way to reach me would be through that or you could also just email me again uh, danyawellness@gmail.com wonderful so for those who are interested in meditation don't hesitate to reach out to palavi again thank you so much palavi for being with me today and for sharing your knowledge about meditation what it is and what it's not the difference between mindfulness relaxation and meditation and different techniques we can really apply in our daily lives i learned so much today and i hope you guys did too i'll see you guys in the next one bye